Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Well, once again, Merry Christmas to you and Happy New Year. In 1976, the Kenner Corporation came out with this guy, this toy, Stretch Armstrong. And the cool thing about him is you can stretch him any which way you want to, and he will always come back to normal. Except it's not true. Read the instructions that come with him. Look at this. It says, your stretch figure will break if you pull it too far. Excessive stretching could result in damage to the toy. Don't have him in too much heat, too much cold. When your figure is cold, it's more difficult to stretch. Do not pull your figure too far. Stretching him too far can break him. Do not, in capital letters, do not overstretch. Wouldn't it be cool if you came with a set of warnings? See, today's message is a message about temptation and about giving in to temptation and what happens when we fall into the rut of sin again and again and again. You say, wait a minute, this is New Year's. What about Happy New Year's? What about a hopeful message? Well, here's the deal. A lot of us enter the new year with hopes that things will change. We have hopes for a better way of life. And then two months down the road, three months down the road, four months down the road, guess what hasn't changed? You and me. Yeah. And sometimes that's the result of a pattern of giving into temptation over and over and over again. And and so if you and I are going to live the kind of life that Jesus put out for us, living life to the full, he said the, the enemy, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, then we've got to get a handle on the self-defeating cycles that we find ourselves caught in. We've got to improve that relationship to ourself so that we can truly live as part of the people of God. So I have here a magnetized screwdriver. Are you a fan or not a fan? Some people are fans because they can be really handy, especially if you're driving in a screw, you don't have great access or you're going upside down and you don't want it to fall off. It'll stick right to the end. But it's for that very reason. Some people are not fans of magnetic screwdrivers because not only will it attach your screw, it'll attach anything else metal. So anything else metal will stick itself to the end of the screwdriver and sometimes pull the bit or the shank right out. That's kind of like the human heart. The human heart has the ability to attach itself to things, to be attracted to things, to show preference for things. And on the one hand, that's very good because that makes human relationships possible. It's the glue that binds us together. But on the other hand, sometimes we can get attracted in our hearts to the wrong thing again and again and again. And it leads us to a distorted version of ourselves, not the true self, but a distorted version of ourselves. We'll come back to that in a minute. Let me give an example. Many of us struggle with food. And there's a reason that it's called eating habits. Because the things that we eat, the way that we eat, the why that we eat, tends to be the same. We're feeling stressed, so we eat in a certain way a certain kind of food. Or we're feeling really happy. We eat in a certain way a certain kind of food. Uh, for me and my family, it's nachos. Uh, when we've had a stressful day, we just want to make a big plate of nachos and pig out because it tastes so good. And, and it's just what we do. So I want you to think now of a problematic behavior or pattern that you know repeats itself in your life. Might be an attitude that you're caught in, might be a way of interacting with other people or something you resort to when you're under stress. You have it in your mind? I want you to bear that in mind as we dig into today's passage today, which is from Matthew chapter 4. 
It's a story about the temptation of Jesus. And if you're not familiar with that story, here's the background. Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist. And the Bible says he's immediately led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested. And he's there for 40 days and he doesn't eat. So after 40 days, yeah, he's pretty vulnerable. He's pretty hungry. And so the devil shows up and he tempts him with the first thing, which is Jesus' feeling of hunger. He says, hey, here you are in the desert. See those stones. If you're really the son of God, turn those stones to bread. And Jesus answers by saying this, Satan, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan takes him to the top of the temple in Jerusalem. And he says, Jesus, if you're really the son of God, why don't you throw yourself off the temple? The angels will swoop in and and take care of you and catch you. Jesus answers him. It's also written in scripture. Do not put the Lord, your God to the test. And then Satan takes him out to a a high, high mountain. The Bible says from there, he could see all the kingdoms of the world. And Satan says, Jesus, you see all this? I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you will just bow down and worship me. And Jesus answers, get away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the Bible says that the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And that's the passage. Now, don't misunderstand. Jesus was unique and the temptation of Jesus was a unique thing. If Jesus blew it on the temptation, he could not be the lamb of God. So I am not saying that Satan is going to come into your life and tempt you with the exact same things. But the Bible does say in the book of first Peter chapter five, that your enemy, the devil prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour He is always looking for your weaknesses and to exploit those weaknesses. And so I think the point of the passage is not to focus on what Satan says, but what Jesus says. Because if we can fix our mind on those truths that Jesus expresses, you're going to become rock solid when it comes to fighting temptation and getting away from the distorted version of yourself and back to the true self. So let's look at those things that Jesus says again. Again, Satan says, turn the stones to bread. You're hungry. Why don't you eat? And Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book. It's the second telling. That's what Deuteronomy says. The second telling of the law where Moses comes back and recaps and reminds the Israelites of everything that God has commanded. You know, sometimes you and I need reminders. And, And in this passage, Moses is recounting that God humbled them, caused them to hunger, and then he fed them with a bread from heaven called manna, a special food that was unknown to them to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the deal. There's a spiritual dimension to life. Spiritual reality exists. And there's a spiritual entity who is able to bring non-physical things into the physical world. Think how Jesus became flesh at Christmas time and entered the physical world. But the catch is if we start to value the things that God can provide more than the spiritual entity that he is, we're getting it backwards and we're flipping it upside down. And so because of the reality of spiritual things and the value of spiritual things, we are called to believe that there is a spiritual satisfaction that is possible, that is greater than material satisfaction. The question this morning is how much do you really value spiritual things? 
How much do you relate to David in Psalm 63 when he says this, you God are my God and earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Think about it for a second. Is that how you think about God and your need for God? Like you've been in the desert, maybe like Jesus was, and you really, really need a drink of water and you're just desperate. Nothing else matters at that moment but getting a drink of water. Is that how you think about God and accessing God in your life? Because if we're honest, in the comfortable lives that we might lead, it can be easy to lose that edge for God and just kind of think of him as, yeah, he's special, but he's one of a number of special things in my life. And the Bible says, no, no, hold God in the most special place of all. Value spiritual things above all other things so you don't end up just going through the motions. We want to be able to say what Job said. Job was an Old Testament character and his story is that he lost nearly everything. And in the midst of his suffering, he says this. He says, I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Job learned through his suffering to value God above all other things. Now, of course, you and I will spend time providing for our material needs. We do need food and water and clothing on our backs and shelter over our heads. But there are things of even greater value than that and we can't lose sight of the ultimate value of spiritual things. Second temptation, Satan puts him up at the top of the temple and says, Jesus, this would be a cool magic trick. Throw yourself off. The people will see you diving down and and the angels will swoop in and cradle you. Jesus answers him. It's also written, Do not put your Lord, the God, to the test. This also comes from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter six. Uh, And in the context of chapter six, verse 16, it says, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test as you did at Massah. Here's what happened. After the Israelites came through the Red Sea and they were saved from Pharaoh's army. Now they get into the desert and realize they don't have any food. So God provides the manna. Now they realize they don't have any water and they began to whine. Moses, are you serious? You brought us out here and there's no water. So we, we should have just gone back to Egypt and died as slaves. What are you doing? God says to Moses, stand in the presence of the elders of Israel, strike the rock with your staff and the water will come out. And in Exodus 17, 17, it says, and he called the place Massah and Meribah. That means testing and quarreling because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? When's the last time you wondered, is the Lord among us or not? Because you maybe looked at the circumstances of your life and and things just weren't going that great. And you thought, if God loves me, like, where is he? Is God on my side or not? And the point that the scripture makes is don't test God in that way. Don't test God in that way. Don't look at your circumstances as the indicator of how much God loves you, cares for you, is present with you. But take it for granted that whether life is good or bad, easy or hard, you're going through a trying situation or you're kind of coasting on easy street. Regardless of that, God is absolutely with you. Otherwise, what can happen is we flip things in our mind. And God, who's supposed to be the Lord, becomes God the personal concierge. That's a misunderstanding and an inversion of the concept of unconditional love, that God will love me no matter what. 
We say, if only God loved me, then he'd provide this in my life. If only God loved me, he'd get me this relationship. If only God loved me, he would work everything out according to my plan. My little daughter, who's two and a half years old, has developed this language when we go into stores of, I need. Not I want, but I need. So we'll be walking through Target. She's in the shopping cart. And anything she sees, it's, I need that. I need that dress. I need those sparkly shoes. I need that snack bar. I need that Christmas toy. (laughs) And she hasn't developed this language yet, but it could be coming. Daddy, why won't you get that for me? Because the assumption is, Daddy, if you love me, of course you're going to give me what I want. But that inverts uh, unconditional love. That misunderstands unconditional love because unconditional love doesn't work that way. You know that. There's people that you love, but you're not going to give in to everything that they want. No, as Christians, we are taught that we're supposed to pray, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not the things that I want. I'm not going to demand that, but God, you do what you know that I need done in my life. So that when we pray, we're not sitting down to pray, God, I really want this. And I'm praying to change your mind to want what I want in my mind. Instead, we're praying, God, I really want this, but I know that you know what's best. So now God changed my mind and my heart to want the things that you want. And there's a danger when we invert what we want and put it in the place of what God wants and knows is best for us. So don't let your present circumstances be the indicator of God's love and concern for you because then you'll begin to take shortcuts. And the third temptation in Jesus' answer is Satan promises him the kingdom of the world says, just bow down to me, Jesus, and I'll give you everything in the world. And Jesus' answer is, get away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that also comes from Deuteronomy chapter six. And you might be familiar with part of chapter six because it's the part where uh, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. But a little bit later in verse 10, it says this. When the Lord, your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. That's where Jesus is quoting from. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, because the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. So there's a spiritual kingdom And there's an earthly kingdom. And as Christians, we believe that all things ultimately were created by God, belong to God, and should serve God. Of course, again, we have everyday life concerns. Everybody deals with those things, but we tend to wall those off from God life. And so I want you to picture right now three buckets. And those represent the the goals of your life or the pursuits of your life, what your life is about. Three buckets, okay? The first bucket is it contains those things that are in harmony with God's plan and direction. What in your life is in bucket number one? The second bucket is things in your life that are opposing God's plan and direction. What's, what's in there? 
And the third thing would just be the, the neutral things. Maybe the color of socks you wore today. I don't know. But the point is this. If your number one bucket, the things in harmony with God's plan, is empty or nearly empty, but number two is kind of full and number three is kind of full, maybe God is calling you to a realignment of your priorities in 2021 to make your life path match his life path for you. That's what it is to worship. That's what it is to worship the Lord your God, is to live a life that is pleasing to him and in line with his purposes in every way. Guys, this, while worship songs play, is not worship. I I mean, it can be worship, but the key question is what happens when the hands come down? Who are we when the music fades? What are we doing with our lives when we walk out of church? That's why Romans 12:1 says, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And Psalm 51 says, God, you don't delight in sacrifice. I'd bring animals to sacrifice, but my sacrifice to you, God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. So let's recap those three things again. Number one, if we want to fight temptation and and pursue the life that God has for us, we've got to value spiritual things, value the giver, not just the gifts that he may give. Number two, don't test God by conditioning your belief in him or your returning of love to him on your present circumstances. Don't do that. Number three, worship only God, serve only God, which brings us back to temptation and Stretch Armstrong. We can actually give in so regularly and so thoroughly to temptation that we become a distorted view of ourselves. You can actually stretch, stretch Armstrong too far that he will not again return to normal. It's possible. All right, when I was 26 years old, I went to the doctor for a physical. And one of the things the doctor said after looking me over, he said, whatever you're doing with your diet, keep it up. You're doing excellent. And I thought, excellent? Okay, doc, whatever you say. I mean, I was 26 years old and single. What do you think my diet was? It was fast food seven days a week. But the doctor said it was okay. So I just kept eating that way until it became a habit and a pattern that I couldn't get out of. And 10 years ago, I was 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. Not because I wanted to eat that way. Well, part of me did. (laughs) But I wanted to break the habit and I just couldn't do it. And I would even say at that time, my eating habits were sinful. Even from time to time now, the way that I eat and why I eat my eating habits, they are sinful. They'd become a bad habit. And you know what a bad habit is? A bad habit is something that you choose not to control when you could control it. And now it has taken control of you. And now you're not your true self anymore. Now you're just resorting to these sinful habits and giving into this temptation again and again and again. And so I don't know what that might be for you. Is it a stress management pattern? The way that you handle bad news or, or hard uh, pressure at work? Is it a way of celebrating on the other side, the way that you handle good news? Is it just a negative thought pattern that you fall into about yourself or about other people? Is it the way you eat? Is it the way that you drink? Is it pornography use? Is it shopping and accumulating material goods? Is it thrill-seeking or numbing out? I mean, the point is, the process of being a human is hard. 
because there's a lot of temptations around threatening to distort us. And if we're not careful, we end up like the kind of people that Ephesians chapter four describe where our heart becomes hard. We lose our sensitivity and our, uh, our um, relationship, our, our touch point with God. We just don't care as much anymore. And we give ourselves over to sensuality and greed and just indulging in more and more and more. And sometimes we're aware of it and we go, yeah, well, that, that's just me, live with it. And sometimes we're not aware of it. It's a blind spot. But either way, I want you to know that you can change. Change is possible and change is available and change is hard. It is, but it's God's will for you. And let me tell you something else that change is necessary. And here's why, because our pattern of habits are the foundation of our character. And our character is like our, our autopilot. It's our default. It's, it's the way that we are when we're not putting on a show for somebody else. Yeah, we can all step up to the plate now and again, but when we get tired, when we get run down, when we resort to just who we are, that low level, that bedrock of who we are, that's our character. And our character is formed by repeated habits again and again and again. And who we are in times of suffering and hardship, that reveals our character. So if you and I want to be the people of God, if we want to be, as Jesus asked us to be salt and light in the world, it starts with reforming our character. And the great hope is that when you have life in Jesus Christ, one of the things that he promises you is a new heart. So just like the magnetic screwdriver can attract the right things or the wrong things, your heart can attract the right things or the wrong things, but Jesus gives you a new heart that can be tuned to the right things. Let me pray for us and then we're going to receive communion. Lord, we celebrate now a, a new year ahead of us of new possibilities and a new chance to walk closely with you. And I pray that we would open ourselves up to you to work the change inside of us, habits and character. It's not hardwired. We can change. That's the hope of the gospel that we can change. And if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So as we bring on the new year, we pray, Lord, that you'd bring on the new us and build us to be your people. And we pray this this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.